Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. This is Thanksgiving week, right? So we've got to talk about being thankful. But as you're turning to Luke chapter 17, I do want to kind of tell you how the next several weeks are going to play out. Um, We actually are beginning our Christmas series entitled Prepare the Way. We're starting that next Sunday. And what we're going to be focusing on for the next four to five weeks, you know, Christmas is always about the what. It's always about the fact that Jesus was born. But what we're going to do is take four to five weeks and we're going to talk about the why he was born. Very simple. We're just gonna talk about not just was he born, but why was he born? And so we're gonna walk through different layers of that every week. But for today, we're gonna look at being thankful. Maybe in a different way than you, than you um, kind of have imagined in your mind, but we're gonna look at being thankful today. Look at Luke chapter 17. And I want you to read with me verses 11 through 19. And I can tell you right now that over the last two weeks of studying this, This has become one of my favorite, if not my favorite passages in all the scripture. I told Jerry the other day, I said, you know, we could spend a whole month and a half just in these verses. But read with me in verses 11 through 19 of chapter 17, the gospel of Luke. While he, talking about Jesus, was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, Have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, he turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Verse 19. And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. God, we thank you for your word. And God, I pray that right now that it would cut sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, that as we see and recognize who we are not and who you are, it would produce a radical response all across this room. And God will praise you for it in Jesus' name, amen. You know, if we're not careful, it's so easy to think and look at all of the stories of of Jesus physically healing. But what we wanna remind you of, even going into the next four to five weeks into the Christmas season, is what we gotta be careful that we remember is the point of Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry was not just to come and heal people physically. Yes, that was an element where it opened people's eyes to this is the Messiah, this is the one that we've been waiting for. That was a tool that was used to do that. However, the purpose of Jesus's ministry was to save people. It's that simple. 
We read that in the scripture, Luke 19, 10. It says that he came and seek to save those who were lost. And so Jesus didn't come just to heal physically. Jesus came to heal spiritually. That is the purpose of Jesus's ministry. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. And seeking is the very way that this passage starts in verse 11. Seeking is the first thing that we see in verse 11. If you notice, it said he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. Now, when we read that, we just think about, okay, he's going between two cities. You have no idea how much there is to that statement and that verse alone, that he's traveling between Samaria and Galilee. So figuratively speaking, what we have here is Jesus is walking the border. He is walking between the Jews, those who are chosen by God, but then he is also walking on the other side would be the Samaritans who are in Samaria, the ones that the Jews, that the religious people want nothing to do with. These are the outcasts. And here Jesus is towing the line. He's walking between God's chosen people and the very people who were rejected by God's people. So here he is walking this line. He, he's hitting the Samaritans. They were entitled, like they were called the, the half-breeds. They were rejected by everyone. They were accepted by no one, especially the Jews and the religious people. And so ultimately what we see here is a picture of Jesus walking between those who were in a place that they thought they deserved the mercy of God and then over here on the other side, you have a group of people that felt like they deserved nothing from God, that were rejected by God's people. And so here Jesus is walking between the two. I don't know about you, but we could stop right here. And all of us in this room, if you have been saved by the grace of God, you ought to be on your feet screaming and yelling and praising that we serve a savior who is willing to meet people where they're at who is willing to meet and not just serve certain people. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. He didn't come to save the religious people. He didn't come to save those who had it all figured out. He came to save people like you and me that were lost. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that I serve a God who is willing to step across the line. Because you do realize that when you were saved by the grace of God, he entered into enemy territory to snatch you from the, from the curse of sin and death. He stepped across the boundary. He stepped across the border to snatch you from the curse of sin. And you do realize that, that he could have just stayed over here in a safe place with his Jews and been happy about it. But that wasn't enough for the savior that we serve. He wanted to cross the line to save you and to save me. And church, that is why we can sing, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb that Jesus is willing to cross the line. Because you know, him walking the border, him walking between these two cities is the only way that he had the encounter with the 10 lepers. Because you remember if he's walking in the border, if he's walking between Samaria and Galilee, we know that that's the outskirts of both of those towns. He's on the outer parts of both of those towns. Jesus is Jesus, right? He could have walked through the city of either one, but he didn't. He walked on the outskirts of both of these towns. And why that is so significant 
is because the outskirts is the only place that he would have encountered the lepers. You see, the lepers had leprosy, obviously. And this was a skin disease that many of you have heard about, many of you know about. Leprosy was mentioned over 40 times in the scripture. Over 40 times leprosy is talked about. And so when we talk about leprosy, we know that in the Old Testament, it was used a lot as, a, as, a, as an object lesson to help us begin to realize the, the curse of sin in our life. That the sin is ultimately gonna lead to death and it was helping us to, to understand the effect that sin had on us the very same way that, that, sin, that leprosy had the effect on the people. And it was helping us to begin to understand the, the danger of sin. And when we see in Leviticus chapter 13, I want you to flip there if you will, it kind of unpacks what leprosy is, is really all about and the severity of this sickness and this skin disease. But in, in Leviticus chapter 13, there's two places we're gonna read very quickly, just so that you'll get up to speed of what, what we're talking about. In, in Leviticus chapter 13, verses two and three, it says, when a man has on the skin of his body a swelling or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes an infection of leprosy on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons, the priest, verse three. And the priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body. And if the hair in the infection has turned white and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. And when the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. And I know that's disgusting. There's only one way to talk, it's just gross. But you see, there's gonna be a lot of language you're gonna to hear today that we're very familiar with in the last two years. So here you got a guy who is showing symptoms. And so now he's showing the symptoms and he's required to go to the doctor and to basically be tested for what he has. And if the priest looks at him and says all of those criteria of all of these things that are taking place, then he declares him unclean. So guess what? He's tested positive. And so then when he tests positive, we know that there's a response that is required by the priests. Guess what? Now they have to be quarantined. Now they are kicked out of the city. They are kicked out of the town to limit the spreading of this skin disease, to limit the spreading of what's going on in this individual's, in the individual's body. But what you have to recognize is when he was cast out of the city, the leper lost everything. The leper lost everything. He lost his job, he lost his family, he lost his friends, he lost his inheritance. And not only if that was bad enough, but I want you to look at just the humiliation that came with, with having leprosy. Flip over one page, it's one page in my Bible. I don't know if it is yours. But look in verse, or chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. And this is after that he is declared to be unclean. Look at what they have to do in verse 45. He shall therefore, no, I'm sorry, where are we at? Third, that's for chapter 14, verse 13. Or chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn 
And the hair of his head shall be uncovered and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection and he is unclean. He shall live alone and he is dwelling and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. So you see, once the priests told him and declared that he was unclean, they were required to tear their clothes, to let their hair down. And it said there that they were to cover their mustache. That literally is talking about putting a mask on. And as they were doing this, what they were required to do is as they left the city, they were to scream about themselves, unclean, unclean. Now remember, this is all their friends, all of their family, all of the people they love. And so when we put ourselves in the shoes of that, because look, the reality is, is the majority of all of us in this room contracted COVID at some point. And when we found out, guess what our first response was? Shh, don't let anybody know, right? We don't want anybody to know because you know why? Because there for a while, it was like, if you had it, you were wearing the scarlet letter. It really was, that was just the way we looked at it. And we kept quiet about it because we didn't want anybody to know. But can you imagine this poor leper? There they've been told that yes, you've tested positive. You have leprosy. Now we want you to tear your clothes, put a mask on, let your hair down and scream as you leave the city, unclean, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine the humiliation that came with this sickness? that came with what this guy or these guys were experiencing. So here's this group of men, these 10 lepers that are on the outskirts of their city. They've been cast out because of their sickness. They're rejected. Nobody wants them. They don't feel loved. But then guess what happens? Jesus does what Jesus does. And instead of Jesus avoiding the people with the skin condition, Jesus seeks to save that which is lost. And for you and I, aren't you thankful that a holy and a righteous God who is pure and mighty, he doesn't avoid us that have a sin condition? But we serve a savior who was willing to cross the line and said, I don't care what condition you have, but you're the very reason I came and I died. You're the very reason that I laid my life down. So I'm not worried about some skin condition. I'm not worried about your sin condition. You're the very one that I came to save. And I don't know about you, but that is very humbling that a holy and a righteous God who despises the sin in us stepped over the line to seek us out, to come after us, to save us when we could not save ourselves. But then we see that they see him coming and they kept their distance. Y'all see where I'm going? It's all the same language that we know now. They kept their distance from Jesus and they screamed out, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Do you know what that request means? That request to have mercy on us, they're asking Jesus. They're asking him, Jesus, please understand our suffering. 
Understand where we're at. Jesus, have empathy on us. Jesus, please care for us. But they're crying out because in that moment, they felt unloved. Nobody wanted them. But there's a man that I hear about who might want me, who can heal me, who can save me. And they keep their distance and they cry out, have mercy. But you know, Jesus never responds the way that we think he should, right? Look at verse 14 and back in the, back in the gospel of Luke. Back in the gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verse 14. After they've cried out, master, have mercy, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, wait a minute. Go and show yourself to the priest. The priest is the very reason that we're the outcast. The priest is the very one that has declared us unclean. The priest is the very reason that we're on the outskirts. The priest is the very reason that we're in this boat that we're in, that we feel rejected, that we feel that nobody wants us. So, hello, Jesus, I still have leprosy. So why in the world do you want me to go back? You know, you wonder if they remember. If you look back in the gospel of Luke chapter five, Jesus heals a leper, but do you know how he healed the leper in that moment? He touched him. He touched him and then he healed him. So his touch healed him. But what we're gonna see right now is that their faith in the words of Jesus is what heals him. You know, Jesus does whatever Jesus wants to do. How many of us want God to operate the way we want God to work? It'd be a whole lot easier if he would just listen to me, right? And so these lepers, you know, in their minds, you want me to go back to the, to the priest now? Well, Jesus, I remember what you did in Luke chapter five. So how about you just touch me right quick? Heal me, then I'll go back. It'd be a whole lot easier that way. But Jesus says, no, you go back, go back to the priest. Go back to the priest. So why in the world is Jesus telling them to go back to the priest? They have leprosy. He's gonna send them right back to the position they're in. But here's where the question comes. Will these lepers trust Jesus when there's no physical reason to? Will these lepers trust Jesus when there's no physical evidence as to why they should? How many of us have been in that position that we're asked by God to trust him when from an earthly perspective, there is absolutely no reason to. Maybe right now, you, your family, you're walking through tragedy. We know that there's been a lot of that going around lately. And maybe right now, you know the Spirit of God is wanting you to simply trust Him, but you're saying, God, with what's going on in my life, I have no reason to trust you. It's not easy to trust you right now, Jesus. I prayed for healing and this didn't happen. I prayed for this job and that didn't happen. So why in the world should I trust you? But you see church, that's exactly where the lepers are. Are we going to trust Jesus when there's no physical reason why we should in our minds? And that's the hardest part of faith. That is the hardest part of faith. 
But when we as his children, when we trust him, when we obey him, this is when he proves his faithfulness. This is when he proves who he is and we right quick realize who we're not. Look at the rest of verse 14. Remember, he just told him, go back to the priest. You're still covered in sores. You're still declared unclean, but go back to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. As they were going, they were cleansed. So here Jesus has commanded them to go. They went and then Jesus showed up. You know, we've talked about this so many times. Would it not be so easy if God gives us instructions for God to provide the provision and then we would step out on faith? But really, is it even faith at that point? But how many times does God instruct us to do something and he says, your next step is to step out on what you don't know. And when you step out on what you don't know, that's when I'll provide. That's when I'll become who I am. Are you gonna step out on what you can't see? Are you gonna step out on what doesn't make sense? But you know, for all of us as fleshly people, it is so much easier. If Jesus would instruct us, he would provide, then we'll go. That would be easy. But God can't show his faithfulness in that. He can, he can do whatever he wants to do, but it's not as miraculous that when God speaks and we say, absolutely no way, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And then all of a sudden God provides. That's what the lepers have done. It would have been easy for God to touch, for Jesus to heal them. And then they could say, oh yeah, we're clear. Yeah, let's go back to the priest now. But I don't know about you, but I got kind of a funny sense of humor. And I got to envisioning this story. So here are these 10 lepers, they're covered in source. The, 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 the pus is oozing out, they stink, they're hurting, they're embarrassed, they're humiliated. Jesus tells them, get up and go back, go show the priest. And so probably, I, I don't know this, it doesn't say that, but maybe reluctantly they're going, why? Look at my arms, look at them, I'm covered in these sores. But okay, but if you want me to. And now I just envision these 10 guys that are walking together, probably talking, going, what are we gonna tell this priest? We're still, we're still covered in this mess. What are, whoa, wait a minute. Your arm's clearing up. Mine's clearing up. And now all of a sudden this dreadful journey to go see the priest, now all of a sudden they see this miracle begin to happen. And I see these 10 men now that were probably just walking like this. They begin that speed walk. You know what I'm talking about? Now you see them kind of elbowing each other and they're going, look at this. And now all of a sudden I just envision, here's these nine men that are sprinting to the priest going, oh my gosh, we're healed. Because what you have to understand is if they are healed and they go back to the priest, guess who has the authority to give them their life back. The priest did. Because they've been cleansed, because they've been healed, he could reinstate their citizenship. 
And so now they look because the sores are gone. All of a sudden they're going, we're about to go back to normal. How many times have we said that in the last two years? I just want normal. We just want normal. What is normal anymore? Nobody even knows what normal is. But think about putting ourselves in those positions of going, man, normal awaits the presence of this priest. You better believe we would have all been running to the priest because normal was about to be back. And as soon as he reinstated them back to their citizenship, it's almost like an old country song. You get your family back, you get your dog back, you get your house back, you get everything back. And so now all of a sudden they knew what awaited the presence of the priest. But you see the heartbreaking part, nine of these men were more concerned about their certification back to normalcy than they were the exaltation of the Savior. They were so much more concerned about their little bubble, about their little life, that they quickly forgot who had provided the healing. The very reason that they were in the shape they were in, the very reason that they could approach the priest. But you know, I think we can all relate to that. It is so easy for every one of us in this room to take for granted how the Lord blesses. It is so easy for all of us to take for granted on what God does for us. You see, these men, they were, they were so much more concerned about their earthly circumstances. They were so quick to pray. They were so quick to cry out, God have mercy on us. They were quick to pray, but they were so slow to praise. How many of us, that's our testimony. We're, we're so quick to pray when crisis comes. We're so quick to pray when we need help from God. But as soon as God remains and shows his faithfulness to us, we're so slow to praise him for what he's done. You know, there's a lot of, I'm not gonna say controversy, but there's a lot of debate as to why these nine of these lepers, nine of the 10 responded the way that they did. And, and many of the scholars, they believe that Somewhere in their mind, they thought that God owed it to them, that they deserved it. That, hey, we're God's chosen people. So you know what? That's the least he could do for us is to heal us of this skin disease. We're his, so he owes that to us. How many of us feel the same way? That as a follower of Jesus Christ, we still feel that God owes us something. We've said it so many times, would you still worship? Would you still sing worthy is the lamb? Would you still sing his praises if he never did anything else for you other than provide salvation for eternity? As if that's not enough. As if that's not enough. But could it be that these nine lepers were thinking, you know what, we deserve this. But you know, in their mind, were they processing, well, we've been good enough. We're the religious ones. We followed all the rules. We've played the whole church game. So this is what God's gonna give us for finally, he's finally recognizing how good we are. He's gonna bless us for how good we've been. And if that's the case, then ultimately what they're doing is giving themselves credit for their own healing. 
as if it somehow merited God's response because they were good enough. But ultimately what they did in that moment was they failed to recognize the power of Jesus Christ. They failed to recognize the power of the healer. And how often do we do that with our salvation? How often do we take our salvation for granted that we quickly forget that the only way that salvation is provided is through the shed blood of the spotless lamb of God. Your salvation has nothing to do with you. You don't deserve it. God doesn't owe it to you. We are the outcast of the outcast, but Jesus was sent to this earth to pay our penalty, to pay our price for us. And yes, we were quick to pray to him. We were quick to cry out, but are we slow to praise? Are we slow to praise and thank him for what he's done? And what I wanna challenge you with this week is, yes, Thanksgiving is great. It's a great time to be with our family. It's a great time to eat more. You're all gonna be miserable by Saturday anyway. You're all gonna be mad at yourself by then. So just go ahead and suck it up. Don't work out this week. Take the week off. You can get back into it Monday. And it's so easy to thank God for all of the fellowship, for all the food, for all the blessings. I am begging you to take time this week and thank God for salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because I can tell you, there's gonna be days that this very family that you're gonna spend time with this week, you ain't gonna like them and they're not gonna like you. Let's just call it what it is. This, we don't all live in this Hallmark movie. There's gonna be times that this family that you're excited about is gonna fall apart. There's gonna be arguments. It's gonna have its ups and downs. But can I tell you that your salvation through Jesus Christ is the only thing that will ever remain constant? It's never changing. It's never changing. And church, that is worth giving thanks to. That is worth praising God for. And when we understand that, when we realize who we are not and who he is, it requires a radical response. And that's exactly what we read in verse 15 and 16. Look at verse 15 and 16 of Luke chapter 17. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, he turned back glorifying God with a loud voice and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. You see, what we realize in that moment is this Samaritan realized two different things. He realized who he was not and he realized who Jesus was. It's that simple. Because you see, this Samaritan, he was the outcast of the outcast. He was the outcast that the religious people wanted nothing to do with that. But then on top of that, he was an outcast with leprosy. It doesn't get any worse. 
He's the outcast of the outcast. He was so undeserving. He was so unworthy. But yet look, when he realized he was so unworthy, who was the one who returned to give thanks? Who was the one that returned to fall at the feet of Jesus? He knew that he was an undeserving miracle. He knew that he had done nothing to deserve what, what Jesus had done for him. He realized in that moment that he was helpless and God became his help. He realized in that moment he was hopeless and Jesus became his hope. He realized in that moment that ultimately he was left for dead, but in Jesus Christ, he was given life. Church, we've got to get back to the place where we remember that, where we celebrate that, where we sing that way, that we were hopeless and he was our hope. We were helpless. He became our help. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but then he gave us life. He gave it to us. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. He freely gave it to you. And church, that requires a radical response of that of the Samaritan. He fell at the feet of Jesus and he thanked him. Matthew 16, 25. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Are we willing to die to ourselves to be a surrendered vessel to follow Jesus Christ? Are we willing to get over ourselves long enough to lay our life down and say, Jesus, here I am, use me. I'm yours. I was bought with a price, I am yours. So here we see this Samaritan literally and figuratively laying his life down at the feet of Jesus. Laying his life down at the feet of Jesus. And the difference you see in this one and the nine, remember the nine, they were so quick to pray and slow to praise. But this Samaritan, this undeserving, this unworthy man, he was quick to pray, but he was also quick to praise. He was quick to pray, but he was also quick to praise because he realized who he was not. And he realized who Jesus was. And then in verse 19 in closing, and he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. You know, when we read that, we, we sort of lump that into being healed or, or being made clean. And if we're not careful, we'll focus on what was not the ministry of Jesus. We'll think that that made you well. That means that the leprosy was gone. He was cured. He was good. But there's a big difference as to what Jesus is saying here. When we've read about leprosy just a few verses earlier, it talked about you were cleansed, you were made clean, you were healed. And yes, that is literally talking about physically that this disease had left their body. But when Jesus tells the Samaritan to get up, 
He doesn't tell him that, you know what? Get up, go. You've been made clean. You've been cured. You've been healed. Yes, that was an added bonus. But he tells the Samaritan, you've been made well. You see, that phrase literally translates, you've been saved. It literally means that I will now keep you safe and sound. When he tells him that you will be made well, he's telling him, you have been rescued from destruction. Church, that's a, that's a big difference than being healed physically. In that moment, Jesus said, your faith, because of your faith, because you've trusted in who I am, I am rescuing you from destruction. Your eternity is now sealed in me. You get up and go. If you've been saved by the grace of God, child of God, I want you to hear this morning through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you have been made well. You have been sealed till the day of redemption. And there's a big difference of being healed physically and being healed spiritually. But remember, Healing spiritually is what Jesus' ministry is all about. We may not be healed physically on this earth. Many of us in this room have lost people to cancer. We've lost people to a virus. But can I tell you that through the grace of God, we all have the opportunity to be made well. Salvation is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But the Samaritan fell at his feet. He displayed his faith and he acknowledged Jesus for who Jesus was. And because of his faith, Jesus promised to rescue him from destruction. Church, that's worth saying thank you for. That's worth saying thank you to the Savior. That he rescued you from destruction. Because of him, you have been made well. Not because of you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. 
So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.